0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams, and I don't know if I told you, but about, I don't know, uh, like two years ago, Allie and I started a small group with our church, and so we had a couple of old friends join in and a couple of new friends join. And it turned out really good. Um, as one of our friends put it, we were basically like a life group, which is, you know, what we were trying to be. And we all just kind of did life together. Like we all started hanging out, going to shindigs, hanging out, going to functions together, going to church together, just all that good stuff. Um, and then I believe in June or July of this year, we went up to Michigan to visit one of our small group friends that had moved up there, Sam, and we went up there and we explored Michigan. Um, and it was super fun. And we actually went to, um, a local ice cream shop. We had heard a lot about it and we went there and it was called Moomers and you know, we had the whole experience there. They actually have, um, their dairy right next door. So we're eating the ice cream and we can literally see the dairy cows out next door sunning in the field living the life um it was really neat i mean you could literally see the farm that the mill came from and it, i was super nervous but Allie talked me into giving them a business card and so eventually did it and even had one of their founders on the show today and his name is john Plummer. and also a cool little story kind of piggybacking off of all that um i think like two weeks after we all had gotten back from our trip in michigan I saw on, I think it was like Yahoo News or NBC News or something like that. It was like, President Biden tours uh, Michigan. And I was like, hold on. He's eating ice cream, and the inside of that ice cream shop looks really familiar. And I clicked on it, and it was Moomers. The President of the United States was at the ice cream parlor that we were all at like two weeks ago. I mean, it was very, very neat. I mean, such a small world. And so, in our interview today with John Plummer from Moomers, we're going to talk about that whole experience, what it was like having the president visit, and how he really didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare, but they did call him beforehand. And even how they renamed one of their ice creams. Um, I believe it's Cookies and Cream. They renamed it Presidential Cookies and Cream, which I think is so cool. Um, So, yeah, this was an awesome interview with John, um, talking about his family company. His parents actually started. Um, Moomers and now they are working on it kind of c- continuing that brand they are a local mom and pop shop in northern or in southern Michigan and really everybody in that area knows about them they do a lot of really cool stuff they do um, they do farm tours where people can see what goes on um, at the farm and they actually they process the milk on site so they're not shipping it off somewhere and then bringing it back to sell it or getting it ready to process into into ice cream like they're doing all of that stuff in-house which is so neat so if you're in michigan if you're in traverse city be sure to stop by moomers and of course check them out their email is or their their website is just moomers that's m-o-o-m-e-r-s dot com and you can see all of their awesome flavors um john's going to talk about kind of how they go about creating their flavors they've got flavors like bubble gum chocolate chip of course and they even had an asparagus-flavored ice cream for an asparagus festival that they did or that they kind of helped out with. So that was crazy. I've never, ever, ever heard of asparagus ice cream. And, you know, maybe you haven't either. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was such a fun podcast with John. Um, and, again, this is episode 126. And thank you so much for listening. And be sure to enjoy it. All right. Well, John Plummer, welcome to the Farm Traveler podcast. How are you doing?
2: like. It's fine. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. So I'm excited to chat with you. You work for an awesome creamery um, called Moomer's Homestead Ice Cream. So before we kind of dive into that, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started working with Moomer's.
2: Yeah. So I'm part owner of Moomer's Homemade Ice Cream and Moomer's Farm Creamery with my middle sister, Becky Mead. My mom and dad, Bob and Nancy Plummer, um, my dad started milking cows around 30 years ago. And at the time, just kind of a gentleman's farm prior to that in my childhood. And my mom, a former first grade teacher for 27 years, wanted to do something different. So the natural next phase of a dairy farm is to sell ice cream, of course, uh-huh. so She took a year's leave of absence from public education and my dad built the building and we started in 98 Mm. serving ice cream. Um, And so I was in college when it started and I was at the time, not very interested in the dairy industry, but uh, thought it'd be cool to enter back into the family business and Not until I had kids did I realize how cool family business can be. (laughs) And so my kids have a personal relationship with uh, their cousins and my parents or their grandparents and see them often rather than, hey, let's load up and go to grandma and grandpa's for the weekend um, or the holiday. It's a little bit different of a relationship that, that we all have and without family business or our ice cream parlor or our dairy farm. Um, I don't think any of that would have happened.
1: That's awesome. So, I mean, it sounds like there was a lot of success there with the family business. I mean, do you guys feel a lot of pressure, like kind of continuing what your mom and dad built?
2: Um, at the time I'd call it zero pressure. It was more, it was never forced on us Mm. by any means. It was always a, here's an opportunity if you wish. And so my middle sister and I took the ball and ran with it. Um, and now we have younger kids. The oldest of our four kids is 13. The youngest is what, eight. Uh, so it's a bit too early in the, in the forecast to see if there is any interest from them. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we'll never force a, uh, a day-to-day routine, dairy farming job or a seasonally intense ice cream parlor, uh, job on any of them, um, but the door will always be open if there's interest from our kids.
1: That's a I like that perspective because I feel like a lot of times you hear like some family businesses where they kind of rope the kids into working on it and it's kind of expected. So it, it's refreshing and good to hear that you guys are kind of leaving it open and you're not like you're just kind of letting your kids. It's it's their thing to do if they want to do it. So it's always open. I like that. That's a really good perspective.
2: Well, you have to. I mean, you have to like what you do, and. I think if it's forced, um, things potentially could be soured. And at the end of the day for us, our importance after succession planning is to be able to meet up for a family dinner without um, blood on the table from
1: business. (laughs) Probably a safe and healthy idea.
2: So that's a bit more important than dollars in our pocket.
1: Mm, I like that. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the creamery. Um, So when I went there, I thought it was absolutely beautiful because I've been to a lot of creameries, but your main creamery right next or in, in Taber city is right next to the dairy farm, which I thought was awesome. Like you could eat your ice cream and then literally watch the cows right next door. So I think that that whole setup is phenomenal. So kind of Tell us a little bit about kind of that business and kind of the production, like how the milk goes from the creamery all the way to the ice cream parlor.
2: Yeah, so um, just to kind of paint a picture, um, our ice cream parlor or Moomer's homemade ice cream overlooks the front two-thirds of our cow pasture and our 80-acre operating dairy farm. Um, And then also over at the farm is our fluid milk processing plant, which is Moomer's Farm Creamery. So two separate entities all under the same umbrella. Um, So we started the ice cream parlor first and started churning ice cream before our creamery. So we actually had to buy in a fifty percent mix and that's where we churn it to our specs and our recipes in house and make it homemade. And uh, back in 07, we had a barn fire and burnt down our calf barn and at that time is when we chose to pursue the on-farm processing portion of a fluid grade A milk plant. Mm. And therefore on an 80 acre dairy farm milking 20 cows, we can cut out all the middlemen per se. And so we milk the cow, we process or pasteurize and bottle that fluid milk, either whole 2% chocolate milk, heavy cream, ice cream mix, eggnog seasonally. And then we sell and deliver that fluid milk to the end user. So that's the creamery over at our 80 80 acre dairy, where in today's world to make a living on a small 80 acre dairy farm, you have to do something different than just milk 20 cows and sell it to the fluid milk market that has um, historically low prices for fluid milk.
1: Right, So that's
2: where that, that triggered the creamery with the help of the fire um, to say, hey, how do we stand on our old legs without our, always begging, borrowing, and stealing from the breadwinner called the ice cream parlor? <laughs> um, so that was our answer is to A, continue the dairy farm, and then B, have it be self-sufficient um, and maybe hire a farmhand, which we do have and have done. Um, so it's an ideal iconic setup where literally there's a fence that divide the two, but it takes both to make everything run. So without an ice cream parlor, I don't think we'd still be milking cows, um, without a dairy farm next door to our ice cream parlor, we'd be five and a half miles out in the country next to maybe a subdivision if our farm were to sell. Um, so really, it's the the ambiance and what we call the boomers experience that makes us truly unique or sought after and really a destination.
1: That's so cool. And I love that, that phrase there you said, it's all about the experience. I mean, it sounds like you guys are building a very, very unique experience. I mean, honestly, I don't know of many dairies that I mean, they make their own ice cream and they bottle and they like process their own milk. I mean, that's awesome. You guys are kind of like a one-stop shop.
2: Right, and, and that is one thing that is a dying breed. It's called the small family dairy cart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as the industry gets farther away from the consumer or really opposite, the consumer gets farther away from seeing where their food comes from rather than the grocery store, Um, we find importance in continuing to tell the agricultural story of this is a cow. This is what a cow smells like. This is what a cow looks like. And also here are some of the rewards or treats or byproducts of the dairy world is ice cream or milk or eggnog or chocolate milk. Um, and so I think a lot of people, um, appreciate that they appreciate kind of that that old-fashioned style hard work
1: oh yeah i feel like there's kind of been a lot more consumers lately that are like trying to reach out and learn more and more about kind of where their food comes from and that when they find like a local dairy like you guys that does everything i mean i'm sure that's going to build an awesome customer base where they're like hey i can go buy ice i can go buy ice cream and milk from moomers instead of these big box stores And when I buy this milk, I can kind of build a relationship with them. And then even you guys do um, tours on your farm. They can then go do that and see exactly how the milk is kind of collected, processed and gets bottled. So, I mean, it seems like what you guys are doing is really a win-win.
2: It's fun. It's fun to showcase what we do. Um, It's definitely a family business. It's a fun business before folks even walk in the door actually really before they even get in the car to drive here, to pull into the driveway, to stand in line for upwards to 30 minutes in the summertime, I think they're in a good mood because they're going to, they're going to get ice cream. And most likely they're with friends or family or loved ones. um, And they're going for an outing. And rarely are people in a hurry when they're going out to get ice cream. So it's, it's more of a a make a memory or, Hey, let's go out and spend time with one another rather than the today's world of the hustle, bustle, hurry, scurry. Um, It's nice to have that as our experience rather than, you know, the opposite.
1: That's true. I mean, if you usually go out to get ice cream and there's not a line at the door, then it's probably not worth it. But I mean, like you guys, the longer the line, you know, something good is going on.
2: Lines are a good thing because that means it's sought after. It's proven. People are going to wait. They're going to spend their time. Everyone's time is valuable, but they're Mm going to spend their time waiting for your product and services.
1: Oh, Um, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like the
2: Disney philosophy. Lines are lines are okay.
1: As long yeah. as they're
2: not too long. No one's going to stand <laughs> in
1: a long, long line. That's so. true. Yeah. So I'm down here in Florida and my family and I, we always go on like a big week-long vacation trip to um, St. George Island down here. And okay. every year there is um, uh, an ice cream parlor called Aunt Eddie's. And we always go there and we wait in line about 15, 20 minutes and we always get ice cream. And then we eat outside for like 30, 40 minutes. And it's always a great time. Nobody has ever actually complained about the line. I don't think. Um, and it's like the only ice cream place on the island. And so it's always kind of a good time.
2: And that's <laughs> the objective. That's the purpose.
1: Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, when we went, um, which again, I think was June, I think there was a long line and we were super happy to get there, but we didn't do our research beforehand. And so we were overwhelmed by all of the amazing choices of ice cream you guys had. Um, <laughs> like, I, I know I'm on your website right now. I mean, You guys have like raspberry truffle. You've got cookies and cream, obviously, orange, pineapple, cherry cheesecake. I mean, there's just so many awesome flavors. So what kind of I mean, what's the whole process of like developing new flavors and coming up with, I mean, the awesome niche ice cream that kind of your normal person might not be able to get anywhere else to get ice cream?
2: Yeah. So the way we make ice cream with a batch freezer, we make 10 gallons of finished product per batch, which takes around. 10 minutes. Mm. Um, and then when we extrude or pull that ice cream out of that batch freezer, that's when we would add in inclusions or variegates, which are really meaning chunks or squirtles, um, or candies, nuts, sprinkles. That's the time where we get to work with it. So if it can fit in a, we'll call it a pop can sized hole, um, that would be the mouth of the machine. Um, if we can fit the flavoring in there or the candy, the chunk, the swirl, that could be the background. Mm -hmm. And then when we extrude it, all we're doing is sprinkling and swirling, um, those candies and swirls into the, it's about the consistency of pudding or about 22 degrees is when ice cream is extruded from a batch freezer. And so to make flavors, that's really the fun part. Um, customers can recommend flavors, uh, wholesale accounts could recommend flavors or create flavors that we could make for them. We also have a staff flavor contest every November where each staff member on site, no matter if they're part of our production team or not, get to create, name, and make their own flavor in our production room. And then we box up, uh, I don't know, around 20 different one ounce souffle cups of each of the flavors. And then have a QR code, folks go and snap on the QR code and they go and vote for that, their favorite flavor and the favorite name, so on and so forth. And then we'll turn around and continuously make the winning flavor. Uh, Like last year, the flyover State of Mind, which was a New York French vanilla, a Biscoff cookie butter spread swirl and a Biscoff cookie piece, it's awesome.
1: So that sounds we, delicious. We, oh my goodness. We lean
2: on our staff, we lean on our wholesale customers, and then we also lean on our customers to say, really, by us doing this, it's like, what do you want? What do you want us to make you? Mm. Um, you know, what do you want to purchase at Moomers? So it's fun because there's, you're never done, you're never finished making the next best flavor.
1: <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to be able to develop something new that like people haven't tasted. Um, right. I mean, so we've been watching some. It's some ice cream competition on Food Network, and it's with yeah, Ben and Jerry's. The codes. Yes, it's so good. So I know they have um, a, like a chief ice cream taster. Do you guys have that, or is that maybe your role whenever you're craving some ice cream?
2: Yeah. So it depends on what flavor and what end use it is. Is who the chief ice cream taster is. So. Let's say it's a restaurant and they're trying to drum up their own concoction, their own exclusive flavor. Well, guess who the chief taster is there? It's them.
1: Hey, there you, you
2: know. go. Um, but in-house, it's our ice cream maker, Summer. She's been with us for 20 years. She's got a pretty good palate for what's good. Um, and then my sister and I, my mom, all owners usually have uh, a say in kind of more or less on flavoring or yes or good flavor let's let's run this or let's not um weird flavors that we've made it's just always kind of a funny story <laughs> so lo- locally we have empire which is home of the asparagus festival in the spring and we actually made asparagus ice cream for years back oh my goodness which proves the point that we can make any flavor under the sun however every flavor under the sun isn't always your best flavor that you've made it was horrible it was absolutely horrible but it was at the asparagus festival it was perfect there was asparagus soup asparagus beer asparagus ice cream asparagus everything you could think of um but that's the size of company we are as we can Play and chef some of these smaller flavors rather than the bigger guys. They'd have to run five hundred gallons of finished product on one flavor batch. Um, oh yeah. So it's just a little difference in sizing that allows us to to have the fun part of the ice cream factor on a smaller scale.
1: Mm, no, that makes sense. So, all right. After I think, it was, man, I think it was like two or three weeks after we had visited there. I saw that you guys kind of got a very important visit when President Biden and his team got there. So, what was what was that whole thing like? I mean, did you know they were coming? <laughs> did they give you like an hour heads up? And Secret Service got there and made sure all the ice cream was safe. Like, what was that whole thing like? No, you would
2: you would think they'd say, "Hey, we're going to come next next Saturday on July third. Uh, you're going to have sixty people from the Secret Service and uh, the president's <laughs> coming to your store, but." They didn't. They um we knew about 25 minutes prior, okay, which in hindsight is probably wonderful. So it was a real organic um experience for both customers that were on property and then also staff and us that were that were around. Um so they secured the building, they uh brought in media, which was about 25 different folks from any nationally recognized media source that you can think of. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the president came in with Senator um, Gary Peters and Stabenow. And, you know, typical, I've got a 17-year-old girl on the cash register and I'm up there. And, you know, welcome to Movers, Mr. President. And I chimed in and welcome to the cherry capital of the world because... Our signature copyright and one trademark flavor is Cherry's Mobilee.
1: Hey. So, of
2: course, we're going to serve the president, Cherry's Mobilee. Traverse City is the cherry uh, capital of the world. Mm. So, you know, I said, Welcome to the cherry capital of the world. He says, Yeah, 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 I know that. Um, I like chocolate chip, vanilla chocolate chip. <laughs> so, uh, chocolate chip is what he wanted, chocolate chip is what he got.
1: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <And laughs>
2: So he was on, on property for probably a good 45 minutes and um, about half the time indoors, and half the time outdoors. And came down to the bar, we served up. Fortunately, my wife and kids could be there, my sister and her kids could be there and half our staff was on property. So they got to meet and serve the president of the United States. So now the official name of chocolate chip at Loomer's Homemade Ice Cream is Presidential
1: chocolate chip oh i like that a little homage there okay
2: served to the president of the united states on july 3rd 2021
1: i mean i don't know of any kind of smaller creamers that can say that that they've had a president visit there and they've named one of the ice creams after him that's pretty awesome that's pretty substantial no so
2: it's it was pretty honorable especially since our local cherry festival um was going on during that time period and then he He had a scheduled visit up to uh, Cherry Orchard up uh, north of us. And then he came, their barricade came through town and pulled into Moomer's and came out for an ice cream cone. It was cool. It was memorable.
1: It was neat. That's awesome. I bet it was. Yeah, we saw that. And all of my friends were sending it to me. I was like, oh, my gosh, we missed the president there by like two weeks.
2: Yeah. So if you need any pictures, just Google Biden and Moomer's and he'll blow up.
1: Yeah, so I looked at it and it was like Biden visits um, Michigan dairy, and I was like, Oh, huh, that looks kind of familiar. It's wooden inside. Let me click it. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's Moomer. Where is (laughs)
2: this (laughs) there? It's like, Hold up, right?
1: That's so fun. So, so kind of going off of that, um, well, I guess a little bit, how exactly has COVID impacted you guys over the past like year and a half? Mm -hmm. I mean, how did it impact the dairy? How did it impact the creamery? And kind of, were you guys able to kind of shift your production a little bit to maybe deliver straight to consumers kind of during the height of the pandemic?
2: No, good question. So prior to COVID, uh, we run about 150 wholesale accounts. We still run 150 wholesale accounts, grocery stores, restaurants, convenience stores, especially food stores. Um, so prior to COVID we are like, you know, we're, we're putting in a lot of time and energy and effort and work into supplying half of our business to other businesses that we don't get to, we'll, we'll call it, put the personal stamp on the, hi Trevor, how are you today? How are the kids? What are you guys doing this weekend? And that's, that's our touch, the boomers experience, this mm. relationship building. Um, and not until COVID did we realize when we had to shut down for six weeks by choice that the wholesale side of our company is equally as important as our retail side of our company. <clears throat> So it, it put things into light as to really under one brand, one building, one roof. We run two completely opposite companies, but it's all under Moomer's homemade ice cream. So we need to stay consistent with that with that brand. Um, so we we did rely heavily on grocery stores during COVID. Um, we did takeout. We did um, curbside orders. Um, so that's on the store side. Things were different. Uh, you know, the the personal touch with a piece of plexiglass and a mask on and mm. gloves looked different. It felt different. It wasn't a warm, welcoming, fuzzy you know warm and fuzzy ice cream parlor. It was it was a COVID <laughs> ice cream parlor. <laughs> but folks were still starved to go do stuff. So instead of doing in house specials, we did takeout specials. We did. Sunday, Sunday bar kits to go, uh, Mother's Day, and Father's Day, different options. Um, so it taught us a lot. There's a few things that we'll keep in place here that uh, came out of it in a good way. It just real, Some of our flow is a lot better with COVID-esque um, procedures in place. So that's the store. So over at the farm, no one told our cows anything about COVID, and they didn't really listen. So <laughs> we, we still had to milk them twice a day, seven days a week, and process milk set, uh, once a week, and everything really over there maintained identically, no different. So there was zero change at the farm. Um,
1: right. Well, probably a good thing not to tell the cows, because you don't want them to get it stressed out for any reason. I mean, that way no, the milk no. quality can stay the same.
2: <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair.
1: Now oh but before forget or forget about it i just remembered this um i saw an article a few months ago um where russian dairy farmers were experimenting with vr goggles for their cows did you see that
2: no uh, that's a russian
1: thing yeah it said that it like greatly increased their yeah it said it like greatly increased their happiness but again when I think of Russia, I just think of like an ice cold tundra and vodka. That's pretty much it. So I'm sure they needed those right. VR goggles. But Michigan, I can attest, is much more beautiful than what I think Mich- uh, uh, Russia might be like. So yeah, I, I it never, seems like those cows enjoy the Russia. scenery. Yeah.
2: Maybe it's uh, VR goggles for the cows and vodka for the farmer.
1: Hey, you know? there you go. I mean, that's both their or coping the strategies. vodka for the ice cream. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're gotta right. keep to keep it from freezing. There you go uh yeah when we so when we went there i forgot to mention this um we were looking for the cows and we're like well wait where are the cows in the fields they were under the trees I'm getting yeah they were just oh, sleeping okay. they were, they were having some fun sleeping i was like yeah i was like yeah guys they're just enjoying it and having some fun they're just sleeping right now they're rested
2: yeah so we have our cows in our barn as little as possible hmm. um so we bring them into milk Uh, And then we kick them back outdoors and then once weather truly starts turning cold in northern Michigan, um, at that time, we'll bring them in the barn at night to milk them. We'll keep them in the barn overnight and then we'll milk them in the morning and then kick them out to the barnyard and feed them outdoors just to get them moving, get their blood flowing. So, which is a little different than some of the bigger operations where those cows never see the, the light of day, but... The cow's meant to be outdoors in the pasture, in my opinion.
1: Oh, yeah. Now, do they ever get stubborn? Maybe they're super comfortable in the barn and you want to get them out. Are they ever very stubborn? You got to, you know, motivate them, get them out, and let them go walk around a little bit, exercise?
2: Yeah, so no different than you and I. When it's 15 below out, blowing like hell in Northern <laughs>
1: Michigan,
2: I guarantee they do not want to go outdoors. <laughs> so neither <laughs> do we. But we've got to get up and get going.
1: Oh yeah, no, I bet. All right, so you guys have—it's uh, mostly Holsteins, is that correct?
2: Yep. So we run the standard black and white Holstein cow.
1: So I know those are really good at producing really high quality milk. So I mean, is that kind of why you chose them, or are they maybe ideal for the climate there in Michigan?
2: Um, so it's a common breed of cow. They're bred for volume, not butterfat, like a Jersey. Um, really. To be blatantly honest the real the true reason why we run holsteins is because the accessibility and Mm. when dad started the herd 30 years ago it was the easiest free to cow to find as a Holstein. Mm. and so that's why we started with holsteins and then since then our business name our business logo our brand is all triggered over to calprint uh moomers the name itself um so we've Held on to those that black and white Holstein. We have had a few Brown Swiss on property. Um, we've had a few crossbred currencies with a, with a Holstein just for fun. <laughs> my dad my dad likes a good Brown Swiss
1: too. Oh, that's cool. So when you milk those like the Brown Swiss, does that milk get collected in the same tanks or does that go separate? Yeah. How does that work? It does. Okay. No, so
2: all of our milk gets commingled in one bulk tank mm. um, where the volume of a, a Holstein is going to cut away at that butter fat from that that brown Swiss. So you're not going to see the, or a Jersey, sorry, is going to be non noticeable.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. So um, what are your thoughts? I know I love talking to dairy farmers about this, getting your input. What are your thoughts on all of this alternate, alternative milk that is out there? I mean, you know, we've got oat milk, pea milk, almond milk, everything out there, soy milk. What are your thoughts on the whole alternative milk industry?
2: <laughs> Good question. That's
1: kind of a hot <laughs> button. I like it. Yeah, it, it is.
2: Um, so as a dairy farmer, milk, in my opinion, comes from a mammal, right? Mm-hmm. However. Um, the marketing agencies have coined uh, nut, oat, soy as milk and has competed in the milk market or section or dairy section of um, of grocery store chains. But I think it's the competitive. Uh, the competitive market, of a free market that's excessive or acceptable. So, I'm not for it because I own a dairy farm. However, I see where there's value because it's another consumer option. In the end, decider is the consumer that purchases or doesn't purchase that finished product. So. I I go back and forth on it to be honest um, I don't know I'll leave it at
1: that <laughs> Yeah no I I mean I I totally get it it's I actually tricky. it it is tricky yeah I was talking with um actually interviewed a a beef scientist yesterday and we were talking about um kind of like the beyond meat burgers and stuff like that
2: And right. basically is it a like
1: burger Yeah is it a burger you know No, but kind of, but it's another option. Yeah. I mean, I feel like most of the people that will drink like an alternative milk or even eat a different, like a, a Beyond Meat burger, they're not, maybe you're, maybe they're vegan, maybe they're vegetarian. I mean, I feel like most people that drink alternative milks aren't already drinking normal dairy milk, just like the people that are eating the Beyond Meat burger aren't your typical... I mean, meat connoisseurs, maybe they're vegetarians that want that meat experience. So, I mean, kind of like how you said earlier, it's good that consumers are getting more and more choices out there. I mean, with alternative forms of milk, maybe they're lactose intolerant or other stuff like that. I mean, it's it's okay. But yeah, also understand your point, like it's kind of cutting into your profits also because I mean, you're a dairy farmer and then you've got other things out right. there masquerading as milk. Yeah, exactly. Competition's good, but not if you're owning it a is. business, then you've got to worry. Is. Yeah.
2: But still my favorite, you know, is, is that um, nut milk drinker at home still comes in and buys an ice cream cone. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, you have to have different options. It, it'd be no different if we didn't have a sorbet. People come into our ice cream parlor next to a dairy farm and they have a dairy allergy. And if we don't have something to offer them, then to them, we are useless. We have zero service or product, Mm -hmm. and they, that one purchaser or one food allergy may take the group of 10 and their family to another business because they have alternative options. So, if you look at it that way, I think it's, you know, it might be a different view of is it really worth fighting the fight of saying that the oat milk ice cream is not really ice cream? Mm. you know, so that's the way I view it is let's have options for folks and uh, they can make their conscious decision.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, it's, I think that all kind of goes back to um, kind of inclusion. I mean, making sure you're including people that maybe have different health um, things than you do. I mean, it really just depends. And I mean, like, for example, I'm lactose intolerant slightly, but when I went to Moomers, I was definitely going to have the ice cream and I had the ice cream and it was delicious. I had no regrets at all.
2: That is one of my, before COVID, now I pick up masks out of the parking lot. Mm. um, Now my favorite, uh, my favorite thing to pick up out of the parking lot is a lactate wrapper. That those who take a lactate pill Mm. prior to entering (laughs) a building so they can have our product. You know, it's like they're going to every extent possible to be able to enjoy what we do on a daily basis you know so it's kind of like a oh these guys are trying everything they can.
1: that's pretty cool i mean that's got to be a good feeling i mean you're like you know what somebody is they can't really drink milk like here they are taking a risk and they're doing it to support our business like that's awesome
2: yeah and they want to try you know so it's like yeah perfect
1: yeah there you go that's awesome. Well, that's good to hear. Um, so, what's the future looking like for you guys? Are y'all looking to expand or just kind of continue this awesome market that you kind of that you have kind of developed?
2: Yeah. So, um, as of today, we are kind of sitting tight as to any big uh, big projects in the short term with um, the unknown of staffing. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the the million dollar question. If we could find some additional players to join our squad that were year rounders, then we could forecast a little better as to some sort of growth. But right now we're good. We've got the succession plan in place of phasing uh, my sister and I more and my folks who are retirement age, kind of phasing them out and putting in a good solid team, uh, with some head ice cream makers and some managers a route driver to really succeed and, and to be seasonally intense because we are, but then also have year round employees that, that enjoy working here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the long game is to, um, is just kind of kick back, get out of this COVID funk. Um, and, and we'll see where things go, but this past summer was crazy. It was nuts with pent-up travel demand and tourism in northern Michigan, which is sought-after, and people are starved for that agricultural visit. They like rural, and uh, we were using the term "local" before it was even a term of marketing. We are local. It's um, it's fun to to be in business twenty-five years. I'm glad we didn't start this a year ago because the, yeah. there's a lot of road bumps the past two years of figuring out COVID and what works and what doesn't. Um, and experience really helped to get through those. So I don't know. We're going to just, we'll see where the next few years go. I don't
1: know. Hey, yet. there you go. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you guys have got a pretty big I mean fan base because when we were in Michigan, we, anytime we ask somebody about Moomers, they're like, Oh my gosh, you've got to go to Moomers. Moomers is the best place. So I mean, I feel like you guys have that brand recognition, like already, obviously, you've got the awesome products, the awesome ice cream. I mean, if y'all ever start doing online orders, like I will gladly order from Florida. <laughs> but I know that's there you go. it's hard shipping meat. So I can't imagine how hard it is to ship ice cream across the country.
2: Right? No, it's, it's very simple. It's just the price point is mm. uh, a hard pill to swallow.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I can imagine that for sure. Um, that's fun. All right. Well, John, this has been awesome, man. If people want to learn more about Moomer, uh, Moomer's, where can they go to kind of learn what you guys are doing? Or maybe they're in Michigan. Maybe they want to go visit and try your ice cream. So where can they go?
2: They can come see us at Moomer's homemade ice cream, the one and only, uh, in Traverse city, Michigan, next to our 80 acre dairy. They can hop on our website, Moomer's.com. They can follow us on any social like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, Hit us up. We're here. We're open March through uh, New Year's Eve. We still uh, fill special orders during January and February. Upon a point only, we'll call it. Mm. But we're here almost year round. So step on out next to our fire and pay a visit. Enjoy a nice week.
1: Well, there you go. All right. Well, John, great talking with you, man. Excited to, to learn a lot about Moomers and all you guys are doing next time we're in Michigan. Definitely plan on stopping by again. So best of luck and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for listening to this episode with John. I learned a ton and I thought that whole experience with meeting the president was super entertaining. I mean, how crazy. Um, But yeah, if you're new here, consider subscribing to our podcast. Consider going to our website, which is just thefarmtraveler.com. And you can see all of our awesome content there. And also, you know the deal, consider sharing with a friend or family member. That helps us out a ton, reaching a lot more listeners and helping more and more people connect with farmers and ranchers across the country and, you know, even the world. Um, So thanks again, and we will see you next week. Adios.